0: GracePod is a ministry of Grace Church Greenwich. For more resources to help you get to know God better through His Word, including bite-sized theology and answers to big questions, do check out www.greenwich.church. We hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to GracePod Uh, We're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 6, 10 to 24. It's the conclusion to the whole letter. And it feels like a bit of a tag on at the end because we've been talking about uh, unity and now suddenly we're into the armour of God and spiritual battle and we're perplexed where it fits in. I'm going to read a chunk, um, verses 10 to 13, and then we're going to be thinking about is this written, do we think, to make us scared or is it to reassure us? that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done
1: all, to stand firm. So um, the question, are we meant to be scared? Are we meant to be reassured? The answer is yes. <laughs> and I guess different Christians fall down on different sides. So I guess um, maybe the Pentecostal tradition emphasises the need for spiritual warfare and the, the reality of um, spiritual evil um, and the devil against us. And we probably in our circles underemphasize that. So we should probably be more scared than we are. And yet at the same time, for those who are scared, there's enormous gospel reassurances. So um, maybe we should be more scared because the devil is scheming against us. Our, f- our rest is not against flesh and blood, but the rulers, the authorities, the cosmic powers, the spiritual forces of evil. I mean, that, the language is supposed to be frightening. And if we're complacent... And we don't realise there's a spiritual war going on, then we're we're heading for, um, or we're heading for a defeat. Um, do you want to tell us about that that phrase, the devil's schemes? I mean, this is, um, we get it in chapter six, but actually we've seen schemes of his all the way through the letter.
0: Yeah, and and this is part of helping us to connect chapter six with the letter. It's not a tag on; it's it's the uh, necessary conclusion, really. So we've seen what the devil does. For example. Uh, In chapter 2 and verse 1, you remember that famous before and after passage, and uh, we were told, You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, uh, following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air. That's another name for Satan. So one of the things that Satan does in Ephesians is he keeps people in the dark, enslaved, um, away from Christ and the gospel. And so one of the things the devil's strategies is to to um stifle the gospel and stifle people coming to Christ but the other thing we see him doing um it really clearly in Ephesians is he tries to disrupt Christian unity um we saw that uh, chapter 4 um 26 to 27 um let me read that quickly um this is all about um anger and um the uh, danger of letting it kind of bubble over, and we we read this: um, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and give no opportunity, give no foothold to the devil. So, what the devil really wants is uh, a root of disunity for people to let anger fester, and then there to be division. And we've seen why this matters so much because um the the spiritual forces of evil are unhappy, unwilling spectators in chapter 3 verse 10. um, They're being forced to look at the church and every time they see the church, it's a proclamation from the Lord, firstly of the Lord's wisdom and of their own downfall. So Jesus has has been raised above all the spiritual forces in chapter 1. And in chapter 4, we're told that because he's raised, he pours out gifts sends uh, those who write the Bible, those who preach the Bible, that then um, equips the church to, to unity in chapter 4. And when the s- satanic forces see that, they're reminded, oh, yes, Jesus was raised and our our doom is certain. We know what where the end is. So when we plug in all of that background from Ephesians um, and and it says that we're, you know, to watch out for the, the schemes of the devil, those schemes are going to be... Against the gospel and against the unity of the church.
1: But I guess what you just said gives the key not only to why this is frightening and should be should wake us up from complacency, but it's also reassuring because ultimately the devil has been defeated already. And there's an echo. I, I don't know if this will work on a podcast. I'll try and I'm gonna try and do a table by speaking it, but the language of verse ten really echoes the the language of chapter one. Um and there's three Greek words, um the word for strength, dunami, um, uh, to be strong, the um the word for another word for strength, kratos, and a word for might, iscus. And he says in verse ten, be strong, dynami in the Lord and in the strength, kratos, of his might, iscus, which is very similar to chapter one where we heard about what God had accomplished through the resurrection of Jesus. And um, he prays that they would know the immeasurable greatness of his power, dynamis, towards us who believe according to the working of his great might, his Kratos Ischus. So power, might, strength were all shown in Christ when he was raised from the dead. And we then we found out in chapter one that Christ was seated at God's right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. And here we discover that our enemy in the heavenly places is the rulers and the authorities. So you put the two together, these very enemies, the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places are the ones over which the, the Lord Jesus triumphs at his resurrection. And they're now under his feet. So it is a, an enemy, but it's a defeated enemy. But this is where we find it hard to get our heads on it because it's a defeated enemy, but not yet destroyed. I remember reading John Stott on this years and years ago. And he describes it as, it's a bit like living between D-Day and VE Day in the Second World War. So on D-Day, the devil has, oh, sorry, the devil. Uh, in D-Day, um Hitler was defeated. Basically, that was the point of no return, um, the military strategies reckon. He can't recover from that blow of D-Day, but he doesn't surrender, or Germany doesn't surrender until VE Day. And if you live in between, your enemy can't win now, but it can really hurt you, and so that I think that's the period we're in. It's don't be complacent, but don't be scared. Jesus won, but there's a battle to be fought. Um, and then when it comes to battle to be fought, there's a particular military strategy that we just get by repetition. Do you want to tell us about that?
0: Yeah. So we get um, we get told to stand, and I think this is part of the same theme. We're to stand against the schemes of the devil. Verse eleven. Um, we're to that we may be able to withstand that's a compound of the same verb uh, that having done all to stand verse 13 to stand therefore so the the picture is you're not you don't have to advance and and take territory it has been taken for you but there is still work to do you've got to hold your position uh, and maintain uh you know the fight and i think this is the same thing we've been saying all along we're not to be panicky um, but we are, we're not to be complacent. The, the, the attitude here is a kind of confident vigilance. Uh, there really is an enemy. Uh, there really is a battle. Um, but the outcome isn't in doubt. we just got to stand our ground. Um, and the way we do that um, specifically is putting on armour. Um, Andrew, do you want to read the, the next chunk which talks about the, the elements of the armour?
1: Again, this is so balanced, isn't it? Because on the one hand, it's armour you've already got. So he says, having put on, having put on. So this is the language of um, earlier in the letter. You've put off the old self. You have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. So there's something that's already happened to you so that you're armoured. And yet he then says, but take up the shield of faith. So you wake up in the morning, you think I'm already protected well, I ought to get protected. There's something that's already safe, but something that you can do to be made more safe. Um, and this armour, I mean, we've got a background to it, both in Ephesians and then in the book of Isaiah as well. Um, do you want to talk about one or the other? And I'll do the other.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll do some Ephesian stuff. So the the truth is the first one up, um, having fastened on the belt of truth. And for us who've been in Ephesians, this has been a, a big topic. Um, so chapter 1, When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of that salvation and believed, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So the truth was was the way that God transferred us from one kingdom to another. Truth is is vital. And now truth is vital in the church in chapter four, because it's as we speak the truth in love that we grow up into him who's the head. So truth has been a key part of God's purpose in, in bringing us into Christ, giving us unity in Christ. And so obviously that's that comes up first that we put on a belt of truth. Then the breastplate of righteousness. I think in Ephesians, righteousness is really righteous living. Um, and we saw that a little bit. Um, 424, put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness. Um, so we're to each day, we're protected um, by speaking truth. We're protected by righteous living. Uh, we're also to put on um shoes of readiness given by the gospel of peace. And I think whenever I've heard this taught that the um, emphasis is usually on evangelism. So the, the message of peace that uh, we proclaim, and it st- certainly includes that. Um, but of course, in Ephesians, peace is, uh, it goes in two directions. There's a vertical peace in chapter two, um, I think 2.15, he might create in himself one new man making peace Um and might reconcile us both to God. So there's peace in two directions, peace with God and peace with one another. So if we put on, uh, these shoes of peace, we'll be those who are quick to take the gospel to others, but quick also to be peacemakers in the fellowship. We'll be trying to patch up disputes. Um, a shield of faith. Um, yeah, I mean, we can, we can trace it through lots of it's repeated. Um, but faith, I guess, um, chapter 312, in Christ Jesus our lord whom through whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him it's faith each day when uh when we feel condemned you know the how the hymn puts it when satan tells me to despair and tells me of the guilt within upwards i look and see him there jesus it's faith who each day i i, I get up and i put on this shield of faith and i think no, I'm not going to listen to the devil's condemnation. I'm going to remember I have access, I have boldness, I can come to God, I can call him Father. And we need that as
1: spiritual protection every day. I love that image of the shield of faith that can extinguish the dots. It always makes me think of um, Lord of the Rings film. I don't know, you know, the Battle of Helm's Deep or something like that. And um, you know, the enemies start with normal arrows and then they ramp it up a bit and then they have flaming arrows. Which Those the- flaming arrows? <laughs> And then you have a shield that sort of connected with a sponge and you dip it into water. And I imagine us holding up this massive um wet sponge covered shield. And, and then the devil's accusations come, you know, call yourself a Christian and you've messed up in this way again. You can't be a Christian, can you? The Lord must be very ashamed of you. You know that we all know those accusations and the idea of just holding up the shield of faith. I am justified through the Lord Jesus. I have peace with God. I'm I'm quoting Romans now instinctively, but the Ephesians equivalent. I've been made alive with Christ. Through grace I've been saved. And you're answering back, and that just voicing gospel truth is sufficient to extinguish the arrow, which seems I mean it's an arrow that could kill you if you listen to it, but the um the shield of the gospel is enough to answer it and to extinguish it is a great image. And a little puff of steam, I imagine, as the flaming arrow hits the the shield and and it's put out.
0: So, so whenever Hollywood hits um, spiritual warfare, there's always um, uh, silver bullets or you know crucifixes or holy water. Um, actually, we do real spiritual warfare and put on protection every day. When we, I guess we, we all do this. You know, we we hear the voice of condemnation and we, we respond with the gospel truth. And that is key. That's part of the fight that we're called to. Um, another one. I'll, I'll go to the end. The sword of the spirit which is the word of god people point out this is the the offensive part of the weaponry the one that to kind of jab the opponent and uh, we see that as well in chapter 1 it's the gospel um uh through which um uh it when people believe in chapter 1 that they're sealed with the promised holy spirit so so actually we can do real damage uh with the sword of the spirit um because we can plunder uh, the enemy's camp and draw people into the truth um so yeah uh, andrew are you saying there's some old testament background as well here
1: yeah so there's some isaiah chapter 59 i'll i'll read and and you'll see the link uh, immediately so it it talks about these days of um, transgression and evil and sins and iniquity and then i'll pick it up from verse 16 the lord or verse 15 the lord saw it it displeased him that there was no justice He saw that there was no man, and wondered that there was no one to intercede. Then his own arm brought him salvation; his righteousness upheld him. He put on righteousness as a breastplate, and the helmet of salvation on his head. Um, I love this passage because, or because it's the same armor. So, but it's this is God seeing that sin and injustice and evil goes um unopposed in the world and no one's doing anything about it so he's going to have to do something about it and the emphasis is on he alone does it of course this is a picture of the Lord Jesus going to battle and going to battle alone so I think this really picks up Ephesians 2 it's by grace you've been saved. this was not your own doing so you know we're recipients of a victory that Jesus won for us um, and yet in Ephesians 6 when the same armor we're invited to put it on Um, we're invited to wear the same armor that our Lord Jesus wore when he went and won the victory against the devil so it's just another beautiful way of saying following his footsteps he's defeated satan using a helmet of salvation righteousness as a breastplate why don't you now put on his breastplate and his and his helmet as you continue to stand
0: Brilliant. And so we're not to be panicky, but we are to be vigilant. And that's by putting all this armour on. But also, the other thing that's underlined here is prayer. Actually, could you give us
1: 18 to 20, which picks this up? So, verse 18 praying or pray at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To this end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. I love that. It's not pray a bit about some things it's pray all the time about all things and um, verse 19 pray also for me for paul that words may be given to me in opening my ma- mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak so on the one hand it's pray for everything in all of our life let's share it with the lord and go to him for help but then when paul does focus in he prays, pray particularly for me to speak, for words to be given to me to speak. And we've already talked about this, but the gospel proclaimed as the offensive weapon against Satan. Um, So, And here's Paul in prison, we saw earlier in the letter, he doesn't want the Ephesians to be ashamed of his chains or discouraged by his chains. Um, You might say that's the devil's victory that he put Paul in prison to restrain his preaching. And yet from prison, he's able to continue to speak the gospel and so satan is not winning <laughs> he's put someone in prison and yet um the words that do such damage to the um the dominion of darkness are continued to be spoken so it gives a real focus doesn't it it's not pray that my life will be easier um pray that my health will be better pray that um but pray that in the midst of the suffering i would speak that's the one thing he wants i remember years ago um when i was studying on the cornhill training course there was a guy called alok he was from india and it was very humbling studying alongside him and hearing his situation. And he just discovered that one of his church planting friends back in India had been imprisoned and there was a kind of political dimension to it. And they were very worried for his family. And Alex said, you must pray. Please pray. Please pray for him. We're like, yeah, well, of course you will. It's an extreme situation. Yeah, please pray for him that he continues to be bold to speak the gospel. We're like, that wasn't how I was expecting you to finish the sentence. So a challenge to our Western comfort, but. Paul knows that is the way that the devil is defeated. Um, in spite of my chains or an ambassador in chains, what a phrase. You know, I'm in chains, but I'm speaking on behalf of the Lord Jesus there and pray that I'd be bold. Um, do you want to, we've just got a couple of minutes left. Do you want to talk us through the, what the um, Bible editors always call final greetings, which is a bit of an anticlimax, but these are wonderful final greetings.
0: Yeah. Um. so the, I think they're very typically Ephesian really. So the tone is is warm. the The book has been about this this wonderful fellowship we enjoy in Christ, and the repeated word here is love. Peace, um, shall I read verse twenty three? Peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. Um, so the uh, the the point of the letter really is is to promote. Uh, the sort of Christian love that we can enjoy in um, the church, and uh, here is a little taste of of the sort of love that Paul expects and and um, kind of commends to them. Um, I, one of the um, the huge differences this passage has made. I, um, Andrew and I have, have been fans of it for a while, but um, putting um, we, we might not have ended a, a Ephesians in this way, we would have you know put full stop after he'd hit all the relationships that require unity, but then to to kind of put chapter six on the end says don't forget this is we have an enemy, he doesn't want your unity, he wants to um, you know, anger to fester and so on, and just um, we've said this before, but it's so helpful when you know someone steps on your toes and you're upset and they've been so difficult. Um, As soon as you remember chapter six and you remember, oh, we have an enemy. I know what's going on here. He's trying to save this unity. Suddenly it puts a huge different spin on it. So so yes, the circumstances are still the same. But now I realize that this is a spiritual battle. And my role here is to put on the armor. My role is to pray. And my role is to um, ward off against the devil's attacks because this isn't just a little irritation. This is an attack on God's purposes in his world and i know what to do
1: what better way to finish our ephesians grace pod than with verse 23 and 24 peace be to the brothers and love with faith from god the father and the lord jesus christ grace be with all of you who love our lord jesus christ with love incorruptible amen
0: thank you for listening to grace pod for more information about grace church greenwich
1: visit www.greenwich.church